Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. You know, when we were all children, our imaginations were absolutely vivid. I don't know if you remember that. I mean, if you think back and think of the stories that were read to you by your parents, your mother, your father, maybe an older sibling. But those stories, oftentimes, we would get in our mind's eye, we would picture things. And sometimes we would even insert ourselves in the story. And I even remember when I was a child that I would hear Bible stories or actually had a children's Bible that had some of the stories from the Old Testament and the Gospels in them. And I would read the stories. And that I would picture myself in those stories. I don't know if you did that. Maybe I was different. But I remember actually reading some of the Old Testament stories. And for example... When I read this story of Abraham and Isaac, I kind of shuddered that a dad would sacrifice his son, you know, or at least even think about it. And then I would read the story of Joseph. Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers and then from rags to riches and, you know, second in command in Egypt. And I would think about, wouldn't that be cool? You know, that kind of thing, the coat of many colors. And then if you jump to the the New Testament and the apostles walking around with Jesus. And what you picture, what you think about. And how in many ways we actually, some of us, say to ourselves, I wish I had been there during that time. Because if I had been there, then my faith would be so much different, so much deeper, so much better better to hear Jesus preach and teach and to see the miracles if I was only one of the apostles and somehow we either idealize them in our mind or we think they were like really really incredible special important people and really in many ways the apostles are just like us and there are different apostles so maybe sometime you can identify with the different apostles and, and which one you might be more like. But that's the gift and the beauty of the stories. And think about all the different people, in particular, around the passion of Jesus. Because as we enter Lent, Lent is aiming towards Holy Week and the passion of Jesus, and the resurrection. And think about all the people as we enter this Lent around the passion of Jesus. In fact, that's where my mind went when I was praying about and thinking about my sermon series. And I began to think, of course, first and foremost, the apostles. But then other names popped into my mind, like Simon of Cyrene, carrying the cross for Jesus. Wouldn't that have been cool? Maybe not if you were there at the time. But I mean, we think about it now. Maybe Herod and Pilate, and we think, oh, we would never be Herod or Pilate. 
Mary Magdalene, or Mary the mother of Jesus even. Or think about the soldiers. What if you had been one of the soldiers around Jesus? I would never have treated Jesus like that, right? I remember reading a book by a famous preacher. And he said one night he had a dream. And the dream was of Jesus' crucifixion. And he walked up and bent over as Jesus was being nailed to the cross and looked in the face of one of the soldiers. And he said, and I saw my own face. Now that's hard for us to imagine or picture. But he basically was saying, I realize what Jesus had done for me. And how that was moving for me. And so part of this Lenten season and this passion as we move to Holy Week, I really want you not only to picture yourself as part of the story, but maybe even in different roles. Because that's actually what we're going to be doing. Now I have to say that when I do a sermon series, I'm usually incredibly possessive. Nathan is not going to preach until... Easter Vigil and after Easter. But this year, something different happened. In all my years here, our bishop is coming during Lent. And I remember saying to Meredith, you know, Meredith is sometimes the one that hears everything. I said, I can't believe he's coming during Lent. Well, I can tell you one thing, he's not preaching. (laughs) And Meredith said, Greg, you can't do that. And I said, well, yeah, I guess he's a good preacher. Maybe I'll let him. So I called up, I called up our bishop and I said, Mark, this is what I'm doing. And I said, so you need to pick someone. <laughs> and he said, great, that sounds great. So he chose the soldiers, which is why I wove that story in, because I don't get to preach about the soldiers, so I had to tell the one. So then, from another friend, guy's coming to town for vacation with his family. And this guy says, hey, John Guest is coming to town. Do you want him to preach? And I said, what Sunday? said, March 30th. I said, that's Lent. So I called John up. And John's a great preacher. You've never heard John. And uh, I said, John, I said, I understand you're going to be down here. You want to preach? He said, Greg, it's been a lot of years since I've preached in your church. I would love to. I said, okay, here's the deal. (laughs) So he chose Mary Magdalene. So you're going to hear two guest preachers in the process of this sermon series unfolding. And actually, everybody's really excited about it. But I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thought to think about as we reflect on Lent and Holy Week of inserting yourself into the story of Jesus. Because really, that's what we're supposed to be about anyway. That Jesus is supposed to be a part of our lives. That we're walking with him. That really many of the things we read in scripture from the lives of the people around Jesus are really what we experience 
that we're not to idealize it, but to really think about the different people, the players, if you will. And you know, the reality is, we have an imagination because God has an imagination. We are created in God's image. In other words, in His mind, which we talk about, we read about in Scripture. He has an image of what His people might be created to be. And you know He has a great sense of humor. Just look around. Oh, you're thinking of each other. That's not what I totally meant. See, I mean, we have the giraffe. And we have the duck-billed platypus. I mean, you know, God has an imagination. He's given us an imagination. And we actually have the opportunity to use that imagination for good or for ill. Just like many things in our world. Like the internet. Like nuclear power. Like your tongue. That we have an opportunity to use our imagination for good or for ill. You know, sometimes how we use our imagination, if I see so-and-so, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And we're already playing this out in our imagination. That's probably not the best use. But that's what we do. So I'm inviting you to take this imagination that God has given to you. And to use it maybe just to grow a little closer to the Lord. A little deeper in your, in your walk. A little more in the knowledge and love of Him. As you use this imagination. The first person or people that we're going to reflect on, naturally, is the apostles. And I want to talk, first of all, about the apostles collectively. Because think about the apostles. What they experienced... When Jesus began his public ministry, starts to reveal himself, he preaches and he teaches and he begins to do miracles and they're around him and they're seeing all this and they're hearing this and they see his character and his person and they experience his love and his compassion. What a gift. And then he calls them to be his twelve. To walk with him day in, day out. To see every aspect of who he is and what he does. And they realize, this person's different. They even leave their jobs. And I mean, you've got a a collection of people here. You've got fishermen. Two of which are called the sons of thunder. You've got a tax collector. You've got a zealot. You've got Judas Iscariot. And by the way, Iscariot, many believe that it refers to an assassin's knife. So you've got a real collection here. So Jesus calls this 12 to himself, this mixed bag group. He says, I want you to walk with me. I want you to be my disciples, and not just my disciples, my apostles, which means ones who are sent. 
So they're already getting in their mind what the role's going to be. And I guarantee you, as they're walking with Jesus, sometimes they're saying, this is incredible. And sometimes they're saying, who is this? He's different. I mean, and they're not necessarily saying that in a positive way. And I also think a lot of times they were probably just a little off balance. Thinking, I left my job for this? I mean, who is this guy? What's he really about? See, we forget that aspect sometimes of the apostles. That by and large, they're walking with him and they're seeing him do all these incredible things and they're thrilled and they're confused and they're dumbfounded and they're in awe all at the same time. And then we come up to Holy Week. And on the one hand, he's talking about the kingdom coming. On the other hand, he's talking about going to Jerusalem to die. And I guarantee you, they're confused. And they're walking up there and all of a sudden, more and more people, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people, lining the robes, saying, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they're saying, yes, we're going to establish a kingdom here. This is going to be great. We're going to be at the pinnacle. James and John want to sit at his right and left hand. But there's still tension. There's still tension. Then they see him raise Lazarus from the dead. And they say, oh my goodness, not only is he a king and he's popular... And we're going to dominate. We're going to take over. And all these Romans and these enemies, are we're going to conquer those people. He can raise the dead. This is going to last a long time. Then they go to the supper. We call the Last Supper. By the way, they didn't know it was the Last Supper, okay? And he washes their feet. And that doesn't make sense. Then he takes out this bread and this wine and he breaks the bread and he says, this is my body broken for you and this this is my blood poured out for you. And That doesn't make sense. But they're listening. They're trying to take it in. And then they go out to the garden. And he gets arrested. And then he suffers. then he's killed. And what are you thinking? What happened? They all fled, by the way. Two would eventually follow him to court. One to the cross. Most of them left. I want you to just think about that for a moment. Because we're going to get specific. What about Peter? Peter who, when when you think about Peter, you think about open mouth, insert foot a lot of times. You know? And we know people like that. Maybe some of us, we are people like that. But he speaks first and thinks later. A lot of times. And you've got to love Peter because Peter 
at least at the beginning. He was realistic and he was humble. On the one hand, he hears Jesus. And Andrew, his brother, says, this is the Messiah. you got to come. It wasn't even Peter's idea to start, by the way. It looked like it became Peter's idea later on, but it wasn't his idea to start. Peter falls down and says, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't know that this should be my gig following you around. And Jesus says, follow me. And then Peter declares, first one to declare, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And we think he got it. Jesus even changes his name because of that declaration. Peter, which means rock. Peter, who was willing to take a risk, he stepped out of the boat onto the water, walked on the water for a little bit. Peter, who when Jesus was arrested, drew the sword and cut off a slave's ear. But then we get to the courts. Peter denies him. Peter, who seemed to be so bold and so right on at times, denies him. I mean, just a night earlier in the night, Jesus says, I'm going to wash your feet. He says, not my feet, Lord. Jesus says, well, you can't have any part of me then. He says, give me a bath. He's all in, sounds like. And he denies him. Confused, questioning, and broken. And he weeps. Judas? I know none of you are like Judas. I got it. Judas. Judas, who is a man of violence, a nonconformist. An assassin, he doesn't have a whole lot of respect for authority. Judas, who Jesus wants to give him an elevated position, a position of trust, makes him the treasure. He's got the purse. But somewhere along the way, Judas doesn't get it. He wants Jesus to be a certain type of Messiah. His own concept of what a Messiah should be. He wants him to come in and establish the kingdom. Do it the worldly way. Do it the violent way. I mean, he wants to see action. Conquering. Jesus doesn't do it his way. So he betrays him. And we don't know exactly why. Maybe for the money. Maybe because he was disillusioned. Maybe because he wanted to force his hand. We don't know. Doesn't make sense. He saw everything the other apostles saw. He saw the miracles. He heard Jesus teach. He saw his character. He saw his compassion. We don't know. 
what happened to Judas? Judas even felt bad. He had regret. He was remorseful. But there's a difference between remorse and repentance. Remorse means we feel bad. It's all about us. But if you never move on to repentance, you don't understand what the cross is about. You don't understand what Jesus is about. He doesn't want you to stay feeling bad. That's why the cross. That's why the power of the resurrection. That's why Pentecost. When you first heard the readings for today, you say, that doesn't sound right for Lent. No, because we have the whole picture. That the apostles crashed. They cratered. They all deserted. Peter denied. Judas betrayed. But the cross is not the end of the story. And it's not about you feeling bad. And it's not about you having regrets. It's about you repenting. Changing your mindset from what you think the Messiah should be for you and seeing who he really is. It's not about you feeling bad that you messed up, you sinned, you failed. All the apostles did. And yet they changed the world. You want to get more of a picture of what they learned and what they lived? There's a great book I read about 30 years ago called The Training of the Twelve. Wonderful book. It's by A.B. Bruce. But they learned. They learned in the light of the cross and the resurrection and then in the power of the Spirit and they became his witnesses. They became his witnesses. They began to live his life. They began to talk about him. And they, those 11, changed the world by the power of the Holy Spirit working in them. Not because they were all famous preachers. We don't know much about any of them. They changed the world because of the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. They didn't live in remorse. They didn't live in the past. They didn't live with the regret. They repented and were transformed. Now, I left one out. And for those of you that know me, you know I love John. Now, what about John? John was a little different. First of all, he's the only apostle that penned a gospel. Secondly, to our knowledge, because of a lot about the apostles, the latter part of their life is legend. But we believe most of them, outside of John, if not all of them, were martyred. John was different. John lived to become the elder. The elder that not only wrote the gospel, he wrote three epistles and refers to himself as the elder. That when he was around Jesus early on, he was probably the youngest, probably a teenager. That's why he was a son of thunder. But there was something about him that caused him 
in the course of walking with Jesus and seeing Jesus and hearing Jesus and being with Jesus that he came to understand he was beloved. Because he writes of himself in the gospel, the beloved disciple. He came to understand what Jesus was about. By the way, John wasn't perfect either. This is not about John having it all together more than all the other apostles. When Peter got out of the boat, he didn't. When Jesus got arrested, he didn't react. When he was in the court, he didn't speak up. But he trusted. He was the one that stood by the cross. He trusted. He was the one that when he ran to the grave with Peter, said at that point, without seeing the risen Lord Jesus in the flesh, said after the open tomb, I believe, I trust. And he writes it in his gospel. See, sometimes we think if we had just been there, we would be different. We would be stronger. We would be more faithful if we just would have seen the risen Lord Jesus in the flesh. John believed before that when he saw the empty tomb. Now, you may not walk out of here being the greatest preacher. You're not going to walk out of here being a perfect person. But my prayer is you walk out of here being a believer. That you understand who Jesus is and why he came. And you might be thinking, why well, can't be like one of the apostles? They were boneheads. They were sinners. They failed. They messed up. They deserted. They weren't perfect. They weren't superstars. They were common people with different jobs. Fisherman, tax collector, revolutionary, gang member. But they were his witnesses. And they were filled with the truth of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And they took the message to heart and they took the message to the world. They repented and were changed. Now, since we're in the season of Lent, some of you may have given up something. Chocolate, wine, television, as you heard last week, I gave up watching the Steelers. You might have taken something on. You might be more giving or more serving. That's all good. If it helps you in your walk with the Lord. 
if it helps you to grow deeper in the knowledge and love of him. But my prayer is you use your imagination. You read the word and the stories. And you allow the Holy Spirit to invade your heart and your life. So that what Lent is for you is maybe you come to belief. Maybe you grow deeper in your faith. But that you come out convinced of the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we consider the stories of the Bible. And in particular, the story of Jesus and his apostles. And we think only if I'd have more faith, I'd be a better person if I really saw Jesus. And yet we're just like the apostles. That you have a call in our lives. That your desire is that we walk with you. That we come to an understanding of who you are and why you came. And why the cross and the power of the resurrection. Lord, we pray that as we move through this Lent, and in particular, the passion of our Lord Jesus, that the truth of the gospel would take hold in our lives. That whatever we have done, whatever doubt or failing or sin or despair or remorse that anyone is in here, whether they be whole or broken, that they would come to the knowledge of the truth of the gospel, of the cross and the resurrection, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we might be your witnesses that we might live with your compassion and your love and we might change the world. Help us to know this truth and to live this truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.